0: Enjoy the show. And welcome to episode four of the podcast. And today I'm chatting with Tracy Fletcher King, artist, printmaker, teacher and overall just lovely person. Um, But before we start, the February challenges are now in full swing and it's really lovely to see everyone's work being shared as a result of that. Keep going. You are doing great. And if you want to check out what challenges we have lined up for March, have a look at the website and click on March to find out. Right on with the show. Enjoy. (music) Enjoy. Okay, so today we have tracy fletcher king on the show and i cannot tell you just how happy that makes me because i've been a fan of tracy's well and a friend a really good friend now for a long time um how long have i been stalking you now
1: for do, you, do you right, well one? i was that's what i was just trying to think it's got to be i think it has to be at least five or six years at least yeah
0: i think so wouldn't it
1: i think it would so. have to
0: be yeah it's uh, it, it has to be that could one, even I'm be sure. longer I'll have to look back on on the blog because on your blog because that'll tell me roughly when yeah. it was because it was sort of when you were starting to I think you'd not long gone off of your botanicals and started on clothes pegs and things yeah. like that we'll talk about that obviously but um, but obviously <laughs> I've been yeah. I've been lucky enough to have followed your journey now for all of that time and, and what a journey it's been for you but where, where did it all start then how did you get into art in the first
1: place? It's weird, you know, like I've always, a little bit like you in a way, because it's always been art and writing for me. Yeah. From the time I was little, it was, you know, writing stories, illustrating them, all the rest of it, um, you know. And even though my dad painted, I never sort of went down that more classical training road with all of that. And I ended up becoming an art and English teacher. Yeah. Purely because I couldn't decide between the two, to tell you the truth. I loved them both so much. And although I ended up only ever teaching art, which I just loved, but um, so it was always there. Like, it was always around the house. Mum was creative. Um, Dad was creative, obviously. My grandmother. Like, everyone was always creative around me. So it was always part of our life, and it seemed quite a natural thing for me to follow because I wasn't sporty. See, my sister was super sporty, and I'm – horribly uncoordinated so for me I had to find something other than sport yeah and um so yeah for me it was art really more than anything so that's sort of it's just always been there you know it's it's always been something that's driven me and I just I just love it I can't imagine not doing it
0: no, no, I, I agree. I think you can either be sort of one thing or the other. My sister was the same. She was always really sporty and I was hopeless at it. <laughs> and yet she oh, says she hasn't got a creative bone. Yeah. <laughs> and she says, I, I haven't got a creative bone in my body, she says. But, um, but you know, you took a, a yeah. nine year break, didn't you? Uh, tell, tell me about I that. Did. What was it like then to pick your brushes up after all that time? Did it come back to you straight away or did you find yourself
1: having to learn it all again? It was awful. I mean, like, it was fantastic. We spent nine years. I married a touring golf pro. Travelled all over Australia and Asia for years on tour. And then we, uh, when our daughter was born, Phoebe, we started going to the States. And we would go for six, seven months of the year. Then we would come back and be back on tour here in Australia for the rest of the time. And although there were times like I went to galleries and things, it just didn't lend itself to... Um, being creative out on the road. You couldn't carry a lot of stuff, Um, although now you're uh, probably – I could have when I look back, but I just – there wasn't the mental energy. You know, every Monday you're getting on a plane, going to a new place. its It was pretty exhausting and all-encompassing, especially when we were travelling with a toddler. It was, you know, pretty full-on. So I had literally done nothing for nine years except draw – like Humphrey Bebert, which was like a character here for kids and, you know, those sort of things to keep Phoebe busy when we were on the road. I'd done nothing. So we moved back to Australia sort of permanently and I went, okay, well, I'm, you know, Phoebe started preschool. I'm going to start painting again. This is the one thing I've missed more than anything. And I was so bad I was embarrassed for myself, you know. Oh. I was just... Like, I remember that first day I sat down and was trying to paint the way I had back in college and all through when I was teaching I was still selling my work and, you know, I'd always been very, very into it and active within my own artwork while I was teaching and that first day I sat down and tried to paint just a simple still life. Like, Matt came home from work and I had a glass of wine and I was crying and he said, what, I said, I can't paint anymore, it's appalling. And he said, show me. I said, I can't, it's in the bin. And I chucked it. It was just I was just so appalled and embarrassed. And it was just terrible. And it took months. So what I did was I went back and I just got a lead pencil and just started doing like tonal drawings just to try and see again. I felt as though I couldn't even see where the lights and darks were. I it was like it was completely alien. It was horrible horrible time um and so yeah it took months months of just grind of just being awful to live with and just hating every minute of it but I kind of realized I had to go through that it was nine years it wasn't as though I just could pick it up again and go oh this is all great you know it was it was hard do you think it's a case
0: of um you know use it or lose it
1: I think it is, but I think it was a mental thing for me as well. I think mentally I had to go, no, of course I can still do this. Did you just get a little ding then? I'm sorry if you did. (laughs) No, Um, no, not my end. (laughs) My phone's doing funny things. That's good. Um, (laughs) No, I, I think it was a mental thing. I think I expected it to be hard. And I think when those first ones didn't turn out well, I thought, oh, well, it's all gone. You know, and I think I almost had to. Um, I don't know like let myself off the hook or something it was like I was so horrified that I'd gone so long that I'd let my skills drop but you know when they started to come back they came back really quick so sometimes I think that was more a mental thing I think it was more me going I'm hopeless hmm. rather than it actually being that bad you know does that make sense?
0: yeah, I mean when when you were away, when you sort of were away from it for nine years, and do you do you think that you knew you were missing it, or you, do you think that you you only realized you were missing it when you when you actually started again?
1: No, no, i I missed it all the way through. Yeah. I like there were so many times out on tour where I'd go, oh, you know, I wish I was painting or you know, because look, it's it sounds like it would be fun, but it's kind of boring on tour because you, you go to hotels and airports and golf courses and you know that's not really that fun and there's a lot of time and I used to read enormous numbers of books and because there's just nothing else to do you know you're bored out of your skull half the time and you see the same people week in week out and um you know so I used to sit there and I would often think about paintings and I would think about paintings I will do one day and And there was a constant sort of – and I I did keep like notebooks during that time and often there were descriptions and things of – things I wanted to paint or try or stuff like that. I found them recently and went back and it was amazing how often I had um, sort of mentioned that there was something I wanted to – you know, I saw something and thought, oh, I'd like to paint that one day. Um, So I did miss it but it just – you know, it was a very – it was an oddly busy – but boring way of life Um, and totally worth it because Matthew was totally worth it and it was amazing too don't get me wrong I'm not saying it was you know I regret it or anything it was a fantastic way to live but you have these big amounts of time and it's hard to do things for yourself in that time though yeah Um, yeah You kind of had to relearn it then,
0: didn't you, really? You sort of just had to relearn all over again. And do you think it's then, with that in mind, do you think that creativity then is something that you're born with or something that anyone can learn?
1: I think we're all born with it, but I just think we let it lapse at different times in our life, that's Mm. all. Yeah. You know, and like when I I did my Master's in Art Education, when Phoebe was about 10 probably, I thought I would go back... Um, and either teach or go back and lecture and so I wanted to update those skills and and I looked at creativity theory when I was doing that and um, there was one thing that I read in there that really stuck in my mind and that was that creativity works in a u-shaped curve so you start really strong and then around 12 13 14 you hit the bottom of the curve And that's when we're, I mean, you know, when you think about it, we're naturally comparing ourselves to everyone. We're, you know, we're all wanting to just fit in. And that's when we're at our lowest creative ebb. Um, And a lot of people stop at that point. But then if you keep going, you go up the other side of the curve. And I realised that I was sort of on my way back up that curve. Um, And that was a really good thing that, even though I'd sort of started to go up it, I'd sort of plateaued again and and I was on my way back up. And then it was like all of a sudden I realized I didn't want to go back and beach. I wanted to keep pursuing what I was doing. And um, obviously I finished my master's, but I, you know, it was a really big thing for me. And when I look around and when I talk to people and when I teach people and the number of people who say I used to be really, really creative and do all this stuff and then I just stopped and, you know, I don't know if I can start again. And it's like, of course you can. It's just everyone seems to follow some sort of curve where they have low points and high points. I just haven't met anybody who it's just been an upward curve, if you know what I mean. Everyone no. seems to go. Or a well, why, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's right. But, you know, no one follows a, oh, I don't even, well, you know, like a bell curve if you're marking someone. The opposite to a U. you.
0: Yeah. No yeah. one
1: seems to just keep no. going up. Everyone has U's and W's and, yeah, you know, those sort of curves. And, and so I think everyone's creative. We just, you know, don't pursue it. It's not a good thing as an adult to do for a lot of people, you know. It's like I, you're supposed to be serious and it's play yeah. and it's yeah. not serious and it's yeah. not you know which is all rubbish of course but we listen to that you know
0: yeah I mean I was really creative when I was a child and um you know I I did exactly the same thing I just you know got halfway down the U and stayed there for a long long time because I had my my kids and whatnot and it wasn't really until I was you know my 30s before I took it up again and I had that same problem I had to kind of Um, learn at an older age as well so that was and and it's tough isn't it emotionally it's it's not an easy I mean people say oh it's really fun and it it, but it it actually it's like almost like an addiction it's like a drug isn't it it doesn't necessarily do you any good at all some ways emotionally but at the same time you kind of can't stop if you love it you just can't stop doing it however it makes you feel sometimes because sometimes you do don't you feel like you said when you started um you know everything you did was awful and I've I was in exactly the same place and it's so easy to get disheartened think I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do this but you kind of have to I've always said you've got to be willing to be bad at something in order to be good at something and it's getting past that isn't it
1: it is but also I think that's a really important part of the process like I get really um, suspicious if someone goes oh it's all fun and it's so it's just been a wonderful journey and I think well, you haven't pushed yourself, you know. Yeah, yeah, you've got to you've got to push yourself, and it's got to be ugly and messy and and difficult, and you've got to care enough to be disappointed. And yeah. I think that sometimes people, you know, like I have a friend who goes, "Oh, it's," you know, she just glides through everything, and I just think, "Oh my God, how the hell do you do that?" Like. But she does. But that's just her. I've never met anyone like her. She just solves the problems and moves on. Like all of her creative problems just disappear ahead of her. It's it's just, it's it's like the most extraordinary thing. It's like her whole creative life is bloody unicorns and rainbows. It's (laughs) sickening, really.
0: Uh, Obviously, when you first started then, because I remember when I first followed your blog. Yeah. and um, I think I sort of went right back to the beginning because I was so loving, you know, what I was looking at. And I went yes. right right back to the beginning and, and looked at everything. And you actually started off um, in a com- almost like a completely different style to what you yeah. were doing when I first sort of discovered you and your work. And I would sort of, I don't know, they, they were kind of like, um, well, they were botanicals, weren't they? And really realistic yeah. botan- botanicals, really um tight's probably not the right word because they're beautiful um I don't mean tight in a bad way I mean that they were very realistic um but then there seemed to be a a sudden change uh and I say sudden because it it really was it it seemed that you suddenly just began painting all sorts of household objects um like teacups and clothes pegs but um that seemed to mark quite a significant shift in your style so so was i mean they were quite sort of lively and and lots of pen and scribbly marks was that something you think that happened naturally or was that
1: quite deliberate well it was deliberate in the sense that i started showing that on the blog like i had always kept sketchbooks like it was drummed into us back at college you know to keep um sketchbooks like and all through the years i had kept like sketchbooks on and off like on the road not so much but um in fact rarely at all but I, I'd always kept the minute I started back I started back keeping sketchbooks and I had been looking at botanical art mainly because I wanted to learn watercolour it's like when I started again I was doing acrylics and oils and with a little kid running around that just doesn't work and we our house was tiny at that stage so There was no room. There was always stuff getting everywhere. And so I thought, you know what, I'll do watercolours. And the only way for me to learn watercolours, because that's something at art college that was definitely frowned upon as not being, um, you know, it was a medium for hobbyists, not serious artists and all that sort of Mm -hmm. rubbish. Mm -hmm. So I was to learn through botanical art. And so that's why I sort of was doing botanicals, because it was a way of learning a skill that I wanted to use. And then, but all the way through, I'd been keeping these sketchbooks that were very much um, more illustrative in style, I suppose. They were sketchier, lighter, and they were more fun. And one day I'm thinking, like, what am I doing? Like, this is what I actually like doing. I was part of the Botanic Art Society. I was terrible at it. I hated the rules. I was on the board. And they gave me paperwork to do, which just made my brain bleed and, I just thought, what am I doing? I don't want to do botanical art. I This isn't me. There's too many rules. It's just, it's, you know, not right sort of thing. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to start putting up the stuff that I put in my sketchbooks and in, you know, what people now call journals. But to me, they'll always be sketchbooks. What is in my sketchbook, that's what should be on my blog because that's me. That's that's a real what new. I paint Yeah, well, that's what I paint every day. That's what I'm drawing and painting and that's how I record my world. So why am I – so it wasn't so much a change in direction in my work. It was more a change in direction of what I put out there. So what I'd always seen as private and what I'd always seen as sort of um, not being worth put out in the world, which also goes back to art school where, you know, everything had to have meaning and you had to think about all these things and there had to be a tradition behind it. and You know, all that stuff they tell you, which is so wrong. And I thought, no, you know what, bugger it. This is what I like. This is me. This is my life. This is uh, this is what I'm going to do. So I started putting it out on the blog and I was happier. And it let me combine then because in my sketchbooks I would often keep little, um, you know, anecdotes of stupid things the dog had done or Phoebe had done and they often inform my drawings. And so blogs came more about that it became about being a visual um and written diary of what our lives were like and it was fantastic i i i absolutely loved that stage it was just amazing so my style didn't change i just sort of let it be shown if that makes sense
0: i think i think finding a style seems to be the number one thing that most artists seem to worry about i mean Personally, I've always felt that style tends to happen naturally over time and and usually when you're not looking for it. Would you agree with that then or do you think there are ways to find it more quickly?
1: No, you've got to put in the work. Yeah. You know, it's going to happen and you can't change it. That's the other thing I think is your style's your style and it's going to be there. And I think there's still a thread even though over the years I've done a lot of different things. There's always a thread there that I can't put my finger on like I feel as though if I look at your work I'm going to know it's your work yeah. whether it's you know back when you were doing your teddy bears to your cut glass to your marbles there's something there's a, a tone or there's a feel to them that, that's perfect you. and you can't move that you can't change it you can't hide it um so I think style happens naturally and I think we get too hung up on finding a style
0: mm, instead
1: yeah. of You know, just letting it happen. Like, get out of its way. It's it's there. Just bloody let it go, you know.
0: So tell me about your blue and white period then, which I think you're clearly still in. Um, How how did that come about?
1: (laughs) Basically, I made a decision a couple of years ago to never censor any ideas that I had and to just go with whatever was catching my interest at the time because I think we can get really... Into going, no, that's not a good idea. That's not a good idea. That's not good enough ever. Um, and then I, over the years, I've collected quite a bit of blue and white diner because I love that colour palette. And we were doing a huge renovation on the house, and part of which was because I wanted to change the colours in the house, and so I could have more blue and white around. And it was absolute mayhem. We had bathrooms being pulled out. We had. It was just a mess and so I was in the studio and I had my favorite bowls sitting there um and it had lemons and limes in it and I started sketching it and I went oh you know what I'd really like to do some more um sort of close work and and more still life and and sort of explore those skills a bit more and and I I think maybe it was a reaction to the chaos around me but I kind of I felt the I just felt the desire to go back to doing something that was a bit more realism based and more tonal
0: do you think then that you kind of went into this more um sort of neat style because everything around you was just complete (laughs) a complete mess Absolutely. (laughs) we were both going through the same sort of thing at the same time weren't we because I was having renovations and you were having renovations and I was really feeling your pain but yeah it's almost like a way I imagined at the time I'm wondering whether you just kind of need to have a bit more organization on your paper because everything else was just absolute
1: madness yes (laughs) absolutely it was completely and it was like it was my own quiet little corner because we had at any one time we would have three or four different tradesmen in the house and so the studio is at the back of the house and and it was all tented so I had to like undo all this tape and get through all the plastic and then I'd close (laughs) it up and um Put the earphones in and just like focus and go. There's not a house full of well, you know, sweaty, disgusting men out there making a mess. <laughs> you could've always there.
0: painted them. <laughs> oh my God. You've done, was... you, Have you ever had
1: um, an experience with life drawing before? Just to quickly change, go oh, back. Oh yes, yes, many, many. Or every Monday morning, would believe for three years at college was life drawing straight up on a Monday morning, three hours of it. So, but no, I certainly. See, to me, lot more men's they're naked too, and I wouldn't have wanted to see any of those men naked. Can you imagine?
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. (laughs) That's the thing as well when you go to life drawing classes, isn't it? It's never the Adonis that you want.
1: (laughs) Oh, God, no. And you know what? But can I tell you a funny story? When I was in my third year, I was a sculpture major. I don't know why I was a sculpture major. I have a feeling because... It was like you could sit out the back and smoke. Basically, I was. we used to have this drawing component we had to do and we had this pregnant model and it was quite lovely actually because it was such a different shape and after three years of drawing the same people, she was different and she was fantastic and we were all doing all this work and she had the baby two months early. And she's come in one day and we've all gone, what Where's it the gone? hell? Like, she's booked in with a baby. And we've gone, no, we're <laughs> not finished. What are you doing? <laughs> you were supposed to get really big. And, oh, God. It was just so traumatic at the time. It was like, oh, my God, how dare you have this baby? It was like none. I don't think anyone actually asked, is the baby, you know, is everything good? You were very early. And, no, you know, we went on, on spring break sort of thing, came back and she'd had the baby. So, yeah. So life, my whole experience with life drawing has always been traumatic from hairy 40-year-old men as your model on a Monday morning. Ugh.
0: I, I I wasn't um, so keen on life drawing anyway because I'm not really drawn to figures particularly. I, I You know, no, I think everyone me, seems no. to be drawn to one thing or other. Some people love to do landscapes. Some people to like to draw figures. I mean, I, I went to um, life drawing classes um and there was one lady. She came in, and she and it. I always think it very much depends on where you are in the room. It's pot luck as to what what you get, isn't it? And uh, oh, it and, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this lady came in, and she would sort of bought a great big mirror with her, and sort of sat on it. <laughs> it was strange because no. <laughs> I, I can't even describe to you. Um, it was it was quite painful because that where I was sitting, <laughs> I thought really the, what I'm seeing is I. I I know that as artists, we tend to, I know that we're supposed to see everything as shapes and forms and all that. But sometimes you just can't, you just, you just no. think, uh, uh, okay, I, I'm kind of in this sort of area and I'm thinking, oh,
1: I don't want to look. I just don't want to, <laughs> no, <I didn't. laughs> especially twice. Oh, oh God. I oh, know. It's just, some of them are just so, sh- It's just, yeah, it can be a whole thing. Yeah, yeah. It can be a whole thing. And you should never do it hungover. That is my other thing. Never ever (laughs) go to a live class hungover. And Sunday night used to be a bit of a night for us going out and there was way too many hungover, Monday morning sessions. And, oh, God. And, yeah, it's just, it's a thing. I avoid it like the plague. Yeah, yeah. And, you know. Uh,
0: It is, though. I think everybody sort of loves doing their, you know, particular genres and it's great because I think it makes it easier to choose um things to paint, doesn't it, when you've got a specific thing it you want to do. Yeah. Um but, but have you ever
1: experienced artist block? Um and if you did how did you overcome it? You know what, I, I never really have, but I I sometimes think and I could be wrong, um we confuse artist block with losing your mojo and I think that they're very interconnected. Because everyone goes through times of doubt, you know, and I, like you and I, we've often written to each other saying like, oh, I feel like I'm not painting well, I can't paint. I, you know, we all have those doubts and, and sort of feel like you're losing your mojo. But sometimes I think artist block is an extension of that where you just take it that step further. Like I had never gone, there's nothing to paint, but there's times I've gone, I don't feel like painting. And I sort of see them as as the same sort of thing. Like just losing your mojo is very different, but it's the same. Yeah, yeah. And that makes, I don't think that makes a lot of sense. It does in my head. Can no, I,
0: I, 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 can, I know exactly what you're trying to say. I do. Um, I find when, I don't know if it's connected, but when I've had a bad day in the studio, it'll sort of trigger that loss of mojo and it's really all about the fact that it's just crushed my confidence and so i i sort of think that i can't do it so i don't (laughs) i almost progress and avoid doing it because you know i might fail again do you
1: know what i mean i do i think sometimes our lack of mojo creates a block
0: it does you know
1: and it's not actually that we're blocked it's just that we're we're having that crisis of confidence and and you know, and to get around that, I think you just got to show up. Yeah, you know, I
0: I, I think with um, paintings um, as well, they go through this sort of phase, don't they? I mean, I call it the skanky teenage oh. stage, and and I yeah. feel sometimes that I've got to that point, and I can't bear looking at it any longer. Um, so I'll leave this painting, and I'll I'll just leave it for two or three weeks and then I'll I'll go back to it eventually when I've kind of got my mojo back and realize that actually it's mm. fine it's going to be fine what am I you know I'm, I just I've been staring at it too long so how do you you know do, do your paintings ever go through that or and how do you see past
1: it then and keep going I am um, I actually work a bit differently I found when I worked on one thing at a time I got too precious and that would become a problem because I do get a little bit obsessive. So. I found that, and also that doesn't work very well with the weather here. In winter, you can do that. In summer, you can't because the paper stays damp because of the humidity. Yeah. So to work on one thing would just take you forever. So I I will um, happily have, at the moment, I would have probably 20 things on the go, which sounds extreme, but... You know, when you think about you're putting a layer down, putting it down to dry, picking up another one, I have no problem with having a million things unfinished. And I know that would drive people insane, but that way I sort of forget if I'm not working well on one thing, rather than getting bent out of shape, I just pick up something else and I'll work on that. And if that's not working, I'll put it aside and pick up something else. And so that way I never, one, I never get blocked because there's always a million things to work on. And I find it's a really productive way to work and it means that it sort of suits my mood too. Like sometimes I feel like doing one thing, sometimes I feel like doing another. And and so I sort of – it removes all of my excuses. Like, you know, I used to be very much – You know, the wind has to be coming out of the east. My cup of tea has to be exactly this thing. My left earlobe has to be itching and then I can paint, you know. (laughs) The planets have got to align, yeah. Yes, yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. And so I had to get rid of that and the only way I could do that was to remove all the excuses. So I just have a million things on the go and that way I can just pick up something and do it And and that works for me, you know. So have you um, have you
0: ever sort of had a piece of work that you love so much you just can't get rid of a favourite piece that
1: you've created? Yeah, look, I do, but I I usually think my favourite is one or two that I'm working on at the time. <laughs> like I'm I'm awful because then I just go oh yeah no you're you're done. I'm always more excited about the work to come. Yeah. Um, sometimes there's one or two that I'll sort of keep, but. Not really. Like I'm usually more excited about what's to come. But
0: there's one, isn't there, that you um, didn't you use it as the header banner for your blog? I'm sure, isn't that one you said you'd never get rid of? Yeah, my tea. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and that does sit in my studio. Um, But yeah, I suppose there's that one, and and probably the lemons and limes in the bowl. That uh, I wouldn't like. I've had a lot of people ask to buy that, and I haven't sold it. So you're probably right, those two. Um, are probably the two that I've held on to Mm. there's a couple there's also actually a painting that sits in our hallway um in our stairwell to go upstairs that um I love so yeah there is probably a few and very different
0: I'm lucky because I've actually got um a few of yours dotted around my house too
1: (laughs) yeah well I also have some around mine of yours which is very nice but I think that's one of the nice things too about being an artist is like you get to have your friend's art around you, yeah, yeah, you know, I I think that that is just, I love that. I like walking around the house going, now, you know, my friend Sandra did that, and, <laughs> you know, and that's, yeah. I, it, it just means you're surrounding yourself with sort of this yeah. great creative vibe all the time, you know. Well, the ones I I've got that.
0: of yours are the perfume bottles. You did a series of perfume bottles yeah. and they were absolutely stunning and I just fell in love with those straight away. I mean, I fell, I fall in love with all of your work, but they in particular, I just, I just love them. Um, so yeah, I couldn't resist.
1: <laughs> yeah, look, I've just, I've actually just revisited some of those for an event in Saudi. Um, so I just did a, a few new ones, and they've gone off over there for this event. But you know, I still come back and visit things. Like I don't, I, I don't ever sort of go. I'm never doing those again. I have no problem. Like. and this is some of this I know right is my art college brain talking where they say you've got to keep moving forward and develop your images and develop your work but if I feel like painting going back and painting you know a perfume bottle again I do it and and you know I just don't really care about any of that I just do whatever I feel like painting you know at the moment it's all swimsuits it's just I know I was looking I was looking at them yesterday
0: on Instagram and they are amazing and blue and white again which is great yeah continuing the
1: theme well i got a big yeah I've got a, a big commission coming up I'm actually excited about because normally commissions I I'm not excited about I get very very stressed but this one I'm really excited about so these are all in preparation for doing three huge ones which is very exciting so you know and but I could be on this for months, I don't know. But I'm also doing all this other work for a, a show in April, so I'm sort of going between things. Yeah,
0: yeah. Which is good. And commissions, I think, are difficult, aren't they? Because I, I only take them on personally if it's something I already paint. Um, but sometimes, you know, I, I, for instance, I wouldn't sort of um, agree to paint a landscape because it's just not the subject to yeah. paint. But I think commissions are quite stressful, aren't they? Is that, you know, oh. yeah.
1: I think they're horribly stressful. Yeah. But this one, this is different. This is the first time I've actually gone, I haven't said yes, and then gone, oh, I've done the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that immediate sinking in your stomach yeah. of why did I just say yes? <laughs> um, this this time I'm sort of going, oh, this is going to be great. This will be fun. So, you know, I'm I'm actually excited about this one. So maybe it's more in the past I've just always done the wrong ones or something
0: yeah. oh well you, you've um, never you've never know. failed at one of those i can tell you everything i've seen of yours has always been uh, amazing but changing direction oh. a little bit now um yep we are planning actually an episode in the future on how art can be a sort of form of uh, therapy at some point um soon yep and I don't think there can be anyone better to share an opinion on that than than you. Um, your life took quite a significant turn a few years ago um, when you were diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, and I know that yep. you kept an art journal during that time, which you kept to yourself. But can you tell us a little bit about that? I mean, did you um, find it to be like a form of therapy somehow? How did it actually help you?
1: Look, it was a form of therapy. Um I don't know how much it helped in some ways. Um, at the time, like I I did, I I basically kept a sketchbook through the entire way through treatment the first time round, and um, it was a year of treatment and I would draw and write every day and I don't know when I sort of finished and came through that and I looked back on it, I actually didn't know that it did help me a lot to tell you to actually think on on one hand it did because I had somewhere that was just for me but it was often very dark and it was it was pretty bleak and sometimes I think that it kept me in a more negative place than I needed to be um but the act of doing it good you know it made me do something every day which was good um but yeah, and so yes, it was therapy and it was probably good because I got all that all that crap out, but um at the end of it I did throw it away. Um I, I had two two full sketchbooks and I threw them away. Do you regret that at all or are you so, happy that you did that? No. No, not at all. I think it was actually a really good thing to do because um You know, like it represented where I was in the moment but not where I was coming out of it. Um, And it just, you know, you don't need to look back on that. It's, uh, you know, I lived it. (laughs) I lived it once. I I wrote it all down. I didn't need to go back and look at it. So um, I was actually, I actually think it was a really good thing to throw it away. And sometimes I think that we should be doing that too. Like it's okay to go, I'm done with this now. You know, let's move on. And, you know, this time, because I was re-diagnosed this year, I sort of thought, well, will I do that again? Will I keep a sketchbook? And I went, you know what? No, I'm not going to. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't feel I need to. Um, and I just thought, no, like that was good then. It helped me then, but now it wouldn't help me. So... Um, at the time it was good but this time around no I've had no desire to do that so you know I think that it was probably very good therapy at the time but I also think it was very good therapy to then throw it out yeah yeah almost like leaving Um, it behind and and yeah that's right and you know I think maybe that process meant that it it has been not necessary this time yeah yeah you know sort of it's yeah, so that's how I've I've dealt with it. But I know a lot of people find it incredibly helpful. Going back,
0: though, to when you were very first diagnosed, yeah. um, I mean, I'm pretty yeah. sure that most people would have just put down their brushes until the treatment was over. Um, but I, I was just yeah. amazed at the time because it it seemed that, despite everything you were going through, you became more prolific than ever. I don't know how you did it, but why why do you think that happened? Was it a conscious decision
1: to just do more? I, I don't know that I was more prolific I think I just um, I think people expected me to not be you know in fact I blogged less than I had been blogging um, and I but I only missed a couple of weeks in that year there was only a few weeks where I didn't blog but that was my thing it was like I was going to make sure I got up and did some something that I could blog each week and that was sort of my deal with myself was to get up and just bloody do something because, you know, otherwise you can lie around in bed. You feel just so rubbish through chemo and then, um, you know, there was two surgeries and chemo and then radiation and, like, you feel rubbish and you need something to sort of, that to normalise things. And for me that was the blog. So... It was sort of like I made that decision. It was like, no, nope, I'm going to get up. I'm going to s- just still do this. I'm going to look for something that's fun and interesting and good that happened this week that I can draw and write about. And, and you know, and that's what I did. And, you know, maybe it was because I had my what I call my black journals, <laughs> which, you know, were full yeah. of all the, all the bad yeah. stuff, you know. And then I, I had the blog, which was in a way my public face. But I think that was more value to me. Than those journals you know like because I've always looked at the blog is just another form of a journal
0: although you're not sort of using Um, it anymore is there a reason for that no well time it comes down to
1: time you know I got I did get very busy um after treatment that first time and I took on a lot of work as an illustrator and did a lot like that and and then people sort of stopped blogging a bit um and I've Honestly, I just got so busy, and I'm one of these people. I feel really bad if people visit my blog. I need to visit theirs. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And you know, and it becomes a thing. And when I, when especially now because I do have limited time, still at the moment, although we're coming to the end of treatment, sort of everything settling this time. Um, I just don't have time for that. You know, I have limited time that I can paint, and I've got the show coming up, and um. And look, I love Instagram. I absolutely love it. But you, so... you must be
0: a, an expert at time management now, because obviously going through cancer oh, treatment yeah. and, and trying to fit in, because you got a lot of um, jo- uh, jobs, didn't you? Of, in, like you say, of illustration, yeah. uh, illustration, and I mean to try and fit all of that work you were doing in um, the time, because I know that with treatment, you were, you were having several days a week where you were just unable to do much at all and yeah. so in a way your time kind of halved in that way in the create you know the time you had to create so trying to fit it all in how, how did you manage your time what, what what did you do to kind of make sure you got that time in so have you got any tips um
1: yeah oh of course of course I've got tips millions yeah. of tips because life gets in the way no, sometimes look, the doesn't f- it it does oh And you know what? It gets in the way no matter what. It's not just bloody cancer. Kids get in the way. Husbands Mm. get in the way. Everything gets in the way. Um, The first time around, it it was a real struggle, but I would make myself get out of bed. This time, it's been a little bit different this time because I'd built up a business around it and it had to keep going because the money I make is money that we rely on and treatment's expensive. And do you know what I mean? This time I had to actually treat it very differently and I had to be quite um, sort of regimented in a way Um, and I know like I would have chemo one day, I would start to feel no good the next day, I'd be out completely for sort of two days and then I would have to say, okay, for this day, this day, this day, I'm doing this And, and, you know, I had to create a schedule because, you know, it was six months of chemo this time and it was weekly. So I would lose three days a week basically. Um, And so it was a matter of scheduling. I would know that, um, you know, they could fend for themselves. Matt and Phoebe fended for themselves for those few days. We had some friends who helped with meals and things, but then on the other days I would make sure I had meals in the freezer so that I could work for as long as I could. And I work for a patch of time in the morning, then I have a rest, then I work for another patch in the afternoon and then nighttime is for orders for Etsy and online and that sort of thing. So I sort of have my times when I can work and it's just like having like an office job in a way. You know, you have this time, then that time and you do this there and and so I only fill orders at night. I only do, you know, I only go to the post office twice a week. I only everything has to be really regimented now and I think sometimes as artists we think it should all be very free-flowing and you know do it when mood hits you but I think that doesn't work I think you've got to treat it like a job and there's nothing wrong with having a job that you love but that's how I do it that's how I get through um and I just make sure like at the moment I have three to four days a week still because I still leave lose time with scans and tests and all this ongoing crap so i still stick to that same schedule so tuesdays through fridays i'm just full-on work and i paint so much during that time it's not funny
0: do you ever find yourself struggling between you know obviously Obviously, you've got your treatment and whatever. But when you're home uh, and you're painting um, and Matt and Phoebes are around, do you ever struggle with that kind of guilt that you should sort of... Because I do. I always find that when I'm painting sometimes on yeah. the weekends, which I, I spend a lot of weekends full on in the studio, and I do sometimes get this sort of guilt, even though Paul would never you know make me feel that way but I feel yeah oh, I should really be spending time indoors with him or going out with with him and but I'm I need to be here so it's a battle isn't it of where you, your loyalties lie sometimes
1: well it is it's funny though because I and this sounds terrible I scheduled my chemo so that my bad days would be when they're home over the weekend <laughs> so no, like, I know that sounds really awful. Do they listen to this? Also, <laughs> yes. But also, I, no, don't like. it sounds worse than it is, but also I couldn't be left on my own during those days. So someone had to be here anyway. Yeah. So sort of that was that. And now even I plan my scans. Matt's off on a Sunday, Monday. So my scans and things are on a Monday. So, you know, we can have, oh, it's so exciting. Off we go to my, you know, CT scans together. <laughs> woohoo big date day. But, um, but I tend to plan those things to fall on those times when they're around anyway, which makes, it, it does sound awful when I'm saying it to you, I, but it works for us yeah. because it, someone has to be with you yeah. anyway, um, you know, and... The medication i'm on now is all settling so i'm pretty much now just on on scans and weekly blood tests and things but um that's how i've set it up i've set it up you know that um on the days when phoebs is busy with uni and work and and matt is busy at work that's when i get to work and i figure well yeah it's worked for us I don't <laughs> I know it It sounds a bit awful but then I yeah. don't feel guilty. no no
0: I think I yeah. think it's um everyone's got to have I don't know everyone's got to have something haven't they outside of the house yeah. I think it's so important and um yeah. you know I, I say Paul doesn't make me feel guilty guilty so that's great but
1: um yeah. No, we we always feel guilty ourselves. I think we do, so. don't we? I think that just, yeah, it comes with the ovaries. Yeah, you know? and I think it's a guilt because really we're,
0: we're enjoying it, which is weird, isn't it?
1: If yeah. we didn't enjoy it, yeah, we wouldn't yeah. feel guilty. <laughs> I know, and I don't feel, I and I don't think that Phoebe shouldn't love what she does or Matt shouldn't love what he does but I think oh yeah you know shouldn't be doing something that's fun but they bloody have a good time so yeah maybe we've got to realign that
0: so what's been the highlight then of your creative journey so far apart from talking to me of course
1: (laughs) oh of course of course that goes without saying um I don't know I look I am really excited about the exhibition coming up because a solo exhibition something I've always wanted to do um so, and that's, I mean, it's, it's sort of still at that overwhelming stage where I'm going, I don't think I'll get it done, but deep down I know I'll get it all done. Um, so that's great because I've never had to think about a whole body of work in such a, a big way and I'm loving that process. Like that is really exciting me. So I think that'll be a highlight. Um, but otherwise, I don't know, you know, like to me, it's just something you do every day. So I just like that. I, I like walking into the studio. I think the first day we set up the studio at the back of the house, like it used to always be part of the house, and then we have this tiny room out in the back near the pool and we decided to move the studio out there and make that my studio. Sounds awful. And I could go in there. <laughs> Sounds horrible. Oh, I know. <laughs> just how – I know. I sit there and the pool's there and the bamboo's oh, there. Oh. and I know. It's just – oh shocking but I know when I walked in there that first day and went oh my god this is awesome like my own little space where I can leave things out and I can just close the door and walk away and walk back in and nothing's been moved and no one has stolen my scissors or no one's using my really expensive pen to write a bloody grocery store (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Everything was protected in there until we got a stupid cat and now it's bloody fair game again. But that was actually a highlight for me because it was, one, it was a space for me. It meant I was taking it more seriously. I was saying it's okay to have a space. Um, So that was a big highlight. There has been other highlights. So, like, I did packaging for a tea company in the US and it's so exciting when I see that out in the world um so you know there's things like that that have been great fun as well are you still doing but that the big things are you still were, doing the um i'm not actually that's one thing um and you know look that that is the bonus of cancer is that it makes you reassess hmm. and i went you know what i i do have a limited time now so i'm just going to do things that i really really want to do and I don't want to do any more illustration. So I've actually let all of that go. And it was only in December I finished up with my last clients. But it feels really good. It feels really, really good. Um, It's a little bit scary because then, you know, that money isn't coming in. But I've found since then I've been selling more paintings anyway. So I think it must have been the right thing to do because it's worked out. And going going back to what you were saying about studio... um...
0: Having yeah. your own studio at home, yeah. I I have to say that I I felt the same that my life sort of changed um, when mm. Paul built my studio and he he basically and yours looks awesome. Oh, well yours is it's huge. just a, a it, you know it's a garage but it's been converted. He kind of he kindly moved all his stuff. You know, man stuff the the ugly yes. the ugly metal <laughs> objects. You have no idea what they are and the paint pots and 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 the lawnmower <laughs> yeah. and everything and and uh, he he kind of moved it down to another little sort of shed and and he converted the garage for me which is great and it makes such a difference doesn't it when you have a a place that you can call your own and but even if you know somebody isn't lucky enough to have that sort of uh, an area they can call themselves you know their own um I think it's important isn't it that everyone has a little even if it's just the corner of a room that they can sort of say right this is nobody touch anything from from this point do you know what I mean Don't, it makes it makes yeah. I think it's so important for every artist out there that they just have a little spot in the, even if it's in the house
1: that is just their little do you know what I mean I do even if it's just an IKEA trolley yeah. you know yeah. that you can move because But especially as grown-ups, and this is one of my big problems with being a grown-up, is it appears everything that you own, everyone else can touch, you know? Yeah. And especially as a mum, it's like whatever's yours is everyone else's. And so to have something that's a no-go zone, I think, is almost like it's like reasserting yourself as a person and going, I'm not just... A mother, wife, part of a family here. On my own person, this is my stuff. Get away from it, you know. <laughs> and it's, it's that. Like, okay, the lines are drawn. You can all bugger off now. <laughs> this is my stuff. Don't touch my stuff. And I think that that's the act of having a studio or an area. Is it's like reclaiming that bit of yourself that's not attached to everyone else around you. And also, you also,
0: I, I think as well when you're when things are perhaps a little bit darker outside you know as in in life obviously yeah. we all go through dark um, sort of periods and as you know um, and, I, and I think mm. having that kind of space is a, a good place to um, leave it behind isn't it out of your mind while you're f- focusing on what you love to do it's it's kind yeah, of like a haven it is. isn't it almost
1: I think it can be I mean for me it's about normalcy yeah. You know, things have to be normalised and, and, you know, otherwise I couldn't cope, I couldn't get out of bed. Um, And this is normal for me. It's normal for me to get up, get dressed, go to the studio, go to work. And, you know, if you had said to me 10 years ago that I would be happily saying I'm going to work now um, and walk into a studio and and be working, like one, I would have thought you were mad because who would be lucky enough to have a studio and do that for work. But um, also I would have gone, oh, no, you shouldn't approach it like that. You should you should approach it when the muse hits and all that sort of rubbish. But you know what? It's just a job that I really, really love. And it's so nice to have that every day that you go and you do it. And, you know, we're on holidays now and I've still brought work with me. Um, and, you know, I'll carve lino blocks partly because the show's coming up and I'm really behind um and i'll do some painting up here and i'm planning for the exhibition and it's like well that's okay even though i'm on holidays because i love what i'm doing so what's wrong with that you know it's um so you know it would feel weird for me to not do mm-hmm. that and it's not like it's intruding on our holiday or anything. Not and, like me. You know, Matt's at this <laughs> I mean,
0: I'm so grateful that you've taken the time <laughs> no, out no. of your holiday to, to talk to me. You know, it's, it's, it's fantastic. Oh, and, no, well, it's and I want to say, I've got a pool outside at the moment, but mine's in the form of a massive oh, muddy yeah. puddle <laughs> rather than a beautiful oh. turquoise swimming pool that you sent me a photograph of. <laughs> so oh, I'm well, I had jealous. to taunt
1: you. <laughs> <laughs> You're lucky I haven't got the windows yeah. open so you can hear the surf right outside my oh, I'll window. I'll be turning up one day.
0: But, I'll uh, be turning up one day. <laughs> you will. But you will. meanwhile, where, where yeah. can our listeners then find out a bit more about you? I mean, I mean, there is your blog and I know that despite the fact that you don't write it anymore, I, I would highly suggest to anybody who hasn't yet yeah. sort of... Um, discovered you um that they they read it from start to finish because there are times when that blog had me absolutely in stitches I mean crying with laughter some of the things you spoke about that nobody else would ever dream of speaking oh, yeah. about and and oh, it was just hilarious I know, but it was it was just so funny and I think it's just you it's your personality whereas Instagram and things like that they're brilliant but you 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 know, I suppose you don't, sort yeah. of, you can't share your personality so much on Instagram because it's just such a small window of um, text, isn't it? It is. But I would highly, it would is, highly suggest that people go and have a look at that.
1: Yeah, look, I've got a website which is just tracyfletcherking.com and of course Etsy and Instagram. I'm Tracy Fletcher King everywhere. I think Facebook is Tracy Fletcher King Artist, um, and you know what? But I will go back to the blog. It it does. You know, it is it's the one thing that I miss, I must say. Um, and I often say part of being driven to decide to let go of all the illustration stuff was to free up time for things like the blog and just sort of but this time I'm just gonna write it and if people visit, they visit. If they don't, they don't, you know. And, and but just for me, I do miss that. But no, that's where people can find me mainly though, every day is Instagram. Um instagram facebook all the normal places etsy website youtube there's videos on youtube
0: yeah you've done some Sorry. great tutorial videos as well it's well worth checking out well thank you tracy so much for for um, and you can go back to your pool and your surf and oh, yes and i'll just go back to work. i know <laughs>
1: yes i know. Mean, a glass of wine yeah. watching the sunset yeah. and it's really strange the, the time well, the time's
0: different because i've it's sort of 20 past eight here and it's what time is it there 20 past seven
1: must be 20, 20 past,
0: past six. six
1: at night it's still light it's beautiful i know one day one day we will walk we down will, this beach we together will. it'll blow <laughs> mind.
0: thanks so much again tracy and we will hopefully
1: talk My again pleasure. soon we will Bye. thank you Bye. thanks sandra
0: Bye. Oh, that was such a treat chatting with Tracy. What a great girl she is. We'll be having Tracy back on the show later on in the year. Um, Tara is back with us for the next episode, which is asking the question, do you have to go to art school to be an artist? So listen out for that one. We'll see you then. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, perhaps you'd like to share it and leave a review for us on iTunes. Back soon.